Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Music, Money, and Life podcast. This podcast, as always, is brought to you by HowToLicenseYourMusic.com. If you're interested in learning how to make money licensing your music into television shows, video games, commercials, advertisements, and more, visit HowToLicenseYourMusic.com. Uh, today I'm speaking with the owners and founders of the music library Flick Tracks. I'm speaking with Chris Davison, who is no relation to me. We just happen to share the, the same last name, and Pat Finnegan. And um, we were talking a, a, a few minutes ago, and we've uh, Chris, you and I, I think we we first got in touch with each other back in like 2007. So it's been like seven years that that we've. Uh, We've known each other. When did you guys actually launch uh, launch uh, Flick Tracks? Pat, you want to go first? Sure, Chris. Hey, everybody. This is Pat Finnegan. Um, we started the company in 2007, Aaron. Um, that's when we started kind of uh, collecting music from from ourselves and from artists that we knew. Um, and then I believe the site went live in February of 2008, and um, kind of grown from there. But uh, each year has been better than the previous year, which is always a good sign, but it's been, uh, yeah, it's been that long now. It's been, like, you know, seven years uh, Seven years this year that the site's been live. Wow, it's a long time. So that, that's about, the, the, that's uh, around the same time frame as when I started HowToLicenseYourMusic.com. So I guess you guys got in touch with me, you know, shortly after I launched uh, that site. What was your background before launching Flick Tracks? What, what motivated you guys to... Uh, to start a music library, it seems like a, a huge undertaking. Chris, do you, you want me to do you want me to take this or? Oh uh, yeah, I can answer first. Um, well, for me, um, I guess the motivation factor was I had been in a band with a, a a guy Steve Ellis who started Pump Audio at the time, and yeah. you know he um, moved up here from Atlanta. And, uh, you know, we were friends, and he started Pump Audio, and he had a lot of backing, and we didn't really have the, you know, the backing that he had, you know, financially. But I thought, I thought we had, you know, more of a, of a knowledge of how to do this. I don't know. I mean, music-wise, I thought we knew more genres in, in, uh, in that area than he did, but... Uh, we just figured, you know, we, we can do this, too. We didn't have nearly the financial backing, but we just kind of did it out of our wallets, and, you know, subsequently it's a little slower process, but I'm happy to say that, you know what, you know, we're, we're growing, and, uh, you know, we, we've, we've made a lot of connections, made a lot of partnerships, and we're just trying to, you know, keep growing and get more partnerships and, and uh, you know, just get more artists licensed. Yeah. And, no- and you're right. Um, we did meet right when you started uh, your company, so I'm pretty. We're pretty happy. You've sent artists, you know, to us, yeah. which we've licensed, and uh, it's working out pretty good. Yeah, I'm really, uh, I'm really impressed that you guys are still here and 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 still doing this. I know we've, you know, kept in ch- touch over the years, and and um, I think I brought you on a podcast a few years ago, and uh, Chris, and you were talking about how how you didn't realize you know just how hard of 
of an endeavor that this was going to be when you started this and, and how it was a, a lot of work, as I'm sure people can imagine. Um, where are you guys at now in terms of, you know, how many artists are you working with currently? And um, let's let's get into talking about where you're licensing music and, and what seems to be working the best. Sure. Uh, yeah. Pat, you want to... Sure, yeah, sure. Um, hey, everybody, this is Pat Finnegan um, from Flip Tracks, and uh, currently, right now, we're we're working with about seven hundred artists. Um, you know, that kind of covers composers, indie bands, singer songwriters, um, etc. But we we have about seven hundred artists that are uh, represented on the site, and uh, that that's growing weekly. And we right now we're we're somewhere between twenty five thousand and thirty thousand tracks. Um, on on flicktracks.com, um, we have about three or four thousand that we're kind of you know currently uh, meta tagging and and we'll, we'll hopefully be up on the site soon. But um, yeah, we've we've um, we as far as what we license, um, you know, we've we started like, like we mentioned before, we started kind of small. We did a lot of web mobile. We did a lot of uh, you know videographer type stuff. Really, anyone who who needed music, local radio, and whatnot. Um, and then fortunately, I think um, one of the things that was to our benefit because we started small and we were kind of doing this out of pocket was we didn't have the same timeline that some of the other companies that might have investment would have. You know, there's always markers that you have to make when, when you have a large, you know, capital investment. And since we didn't have those, um, you know, we could kind of make mistakes and, and kind of fall on our face at times. But there wasn't, you know, there wasn't the same impact because of the fact that we were small and we worked with, you know, a, a few different companies. And, and as we got larger, we were kind of able to learn the business and watch the business grow and kind of find our niche in it. And I think that's what's what I think the reason we're still around today is because of that. We, you know, because of the fact that we had to, you know, kind of work from the bottom and, and learn kind of every aspect of the business and find what, what was going to be, you know, our place. And, uh, you know, because of that, we're now licensing music not only in, in just, uh, you know, web mobile type stuff for advertising, but for television, we, we place tracks, some tracks in TV. We don't do a ton of TV, but we've done some film work this year. We have uh, one of our composers, Chris Winham, just did the score for a uh, feature film called Grinder, which yes. uh, which we just saw the the, uh, the preview of about a month ago, and, and it's going to be out in 2016. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's grown to the to the fact, you know, excuse me, to the point now that we you know we, we get. We specialize in advertising. That's ninety percent of the business that we do. Um, but it's not just the the small kind of you know web mobile ads. It's now grown into you know kind of worldwide advertising. We're currently you know ramping up for the 2016 Olympics and kind of contacting wow. Brazilian composers for, for custom music because that's another thing that we're we're expanding on. You know the custom music uh, area of of music production. So yeah, it's it's again web mobile will will for any company that's working in advertising the web mobile ads will always be probably the majority of the licenses that they sell because there's just so much of it yeah. um you know there's so many avenues for for web mobile with, with youtube and and just you know kind of every brand has their own uh website that they have videos on so there's there's just so much you know space online for for, for advertising that there tends to be so many more and those ads are obviously much cheaper so there's there's just uh you know kind of more room for that so that, that is where we see the majority of our licenses, but we're we're happy to see that we're you know we're, we're definitely growing in the uh, in the in the television uh, licensing uh, as far as advertising goes. Cool, that's awesome. And how much can writers expect to make from a license into like a web mo mobile ad? What what are the the pay ranges on those projects? 
You know, it, it, it depends on, I mean, we do, we work with some of the crowdsourcing sites where they have, you know, crowdsourced uh, videographers and, and filmmakers. And those, you know, when, when the breakdown can be anywhere from, because the prices vary so much on the licenses, but it can be anywhere from 50, 60 bucks for a web license all the way up into the, you know, the three, $400 range as far mm-hmm. as, you know, where the track is licensed and if it's through a partner, if it's direct, if it's, you know, if it's for, if it's direct to a brand, you know, we have a couple deals where we're kind of a, kind of a third, uh, you know, kind of owner or partner in, in a scenario. So it's, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of a breakdown in being able to play ball with some of these larger ad companies. But, you know, as far as web mobile, it usually tends to range from, you know, the, the, the I'd say $50 range up into the mid hundreds. And then when you get into, um, television advertising, it takes off, you know, it, it's usually from the, you know, in the thousands range, depending on, again, if it's regional, is it national, is it worldwide, is it, you know, perpetual, all those, all those little aspects of, of, of placing a track have, you know, come into play. And obviously, the larger the audience and the longer time period that a track's taken for, you know, the more money uh, a production company or ad company or brand would have to pay. Yeah. That's interesting. And, and how much uh, sort of negotiating power do you guys have when it comes to setting these these rates? So, f- for example, if, if, if uh, an ad company comes to you and they're looking for music for a television ad, do they sort of say, this is our budget, y- you know, what, what can you uh, supply us within this budget? Or do you guys say, listen, if you want this artist, this is what he charges or this is what we charge on his behalf? Can you talk a little bit about how these uh, – numbers are, are arrived at oh sure by all means yeah that, we, we deal with that every day and um uh you, you kind of hit the nail on the head in, in the beginning there i mean many times like you know some of these um places that we or, or companies that we place ads with are continual partners so you know they have our, our library on their own private platforms mm-hmm. um which have predetermined prices for you know there's a rate card like anything else um however at times you get a company that might come and say, Hey, we have a, uh, you know, we have a campaign, but our budget got slashed and we can only do it for, for this amount. And that happens pretty frequently. Um, you know, unfortunately, but I think anyone that works in, in the creative end of, of, of advertising realizes that it's always kind of budget centric in terms of, you know, if a budget is what it is, then you're working with that budget. And, and they usually will come at you immediately and say, this is what we have for music. Can you do it? And, um, it's, in this day and age, in 2015, um, unless you're representing, um, you know, established artists like a Beyonce or, you know, which we don't do, we're, we're indie and we work with some fairly well-known artists, but we're, we're not, you know, they're, they're independent artists. They're not signed to major labels. So, you know, you're kind of at the mercy at times where you're going to have to say, yes, you know, we'll work with that, with, that, uh, with that budget and then hope that you can kind of negotiate when they have a larger budget for something else. Uh, you know, down the line, or if it's perpetual, they take a, excuse me, if it's a one-year term, hope they take, you know, they, they go and opt for a perpetual license down the line. So, that's, sure. you know, it is it is very much um, dependent upon what um, the budget is set. So that that is one of those things where you, you do know going in, um, and every partner that you work with in, in terms of different platforms has their own prices, which is why when, when you had asked before about prices, it, it really, it, it's dependent upon are you licensing it to an advertising company or are you licensing it to a crowdsourcing site? You know what I mean? Because that's a, it's a vastly different, um, you know, the crowdsourcing sites you're, you're dealing with 
you know, a hundred to two hundred to three hundred dollars, whereas advertising it's a much larger. You know, when you're doing the ad companies, there's a much larger budget there. Yeah. So, can you can you give us some examples of like different ad campaigns that that you've worked on uh, on television, for example, have like, like a national ad campaign and sort of a we long, did. Yeah, and like sure, how, we and did. How, how much? Sorry, and how much that would pay? Go ahead. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, I'd say probably the largest thing we've done was a PlayStation ad um, okay. that that aired. I want to say late 2013 into 2014. That was probably the largest campaign okay. um, that we had done. And, and that was a track, you know, and that, that, again, that was perpetual. I think it got picked up later for worldwide. But, um, you know, that, that comes back in the six to $7,000 range because it was a licensed track. It wasn't a right. composed track. Yeah. When it's a composed track, it, the, the budget goes, you know, far, far higher. And, 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 you know, there's no, you know, you, you do get a budget price, but you're also that that price is much more because now you're dealing with custom work, and it's most likely a buyout. So yeah. the six to seven thousand dollars is for a library track that you know they don't own it. It's you know, and and there is also back end uh, for artists when those when those tracks go to to air. So it's six seven thousand on the upfront, and then there's you know the, the royalties that come in on the back end uh, for anything that airs on television and radio. Yeah, exactly. So there's royalties on the back end for for television and radio. What about the web uh, mobile stuff? Are, are you seeing? I, I know there's sort of efforts underway to collect royalties for, for those types of of um, licenses. Is are are you seeing royalties actually being generated for those? For YouTube, it's, it's funny you should say that because we, we've we've literally in the last month just partnered with a company called Muser, who is uh, um, one of the latest uh, Google ID partners for YouTube. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that in the past we we certainly worked with a lot of artists that are part of Muser ID services like AdRev, and you know, there's a few out there. Um, and artists that work you know, that, that come to our site have the ability to do that. We don't, you know, we don't push. Um, this this service onto them. It's an option for them that we can collect um, for the tracks that they give to us, and then just tracks you know that they have on the web in general, as long as they're not with a previous music ID. But all of that said, that's only for YouTube. And okay. um, as far as like actual web, you know, cause like we mentioned before, there's there's plenty of music that's being used on the web and advertising that's not on YouTube. And and those those are that's still the wild west. I mean, even the the PROs are are, are, are they talk about you know a way to start tracking them with with fingerprinting and you know web crawlers and whatnot, but um, we still have not seen any actual action taken by the you know the big PROs as far as collecting royalties. It's only on YouTube and it's only through those those music ID services and you know and I think any of your your listeners that that are part of them have have dealt with this if they license their music. It's Google and, and, you know, YouTube's a wonderful platform, and, and this is by no means a critique of it. It's just this is a new area for them. Sure. And in terms of people coming on and monetizing, there's, you know, there's these partners that get approved, but there's a lot of overlap. So what happens is sometimes a brand um, or an ad company has a campaign, and, and, it, and it's on television, and they have a, what they call a tag package, which means they can use that ad anywhere. They can use it on TV. They can use it on the web. and you know, they want to get as much mileage out of that as possible. So if it was, you know, and on a TV campaign, it, it's, there's a good chance that it'll, it'll show up before YouTube videos. But what will happen is, you know, there are artists that kind of unknowingly, like, for example, when, when we 
on our site when we have this music ID option, we're going to make it very explicit that if you are part of an existing music ID you know service, please do not opt into this because it yeah. creates the problem of of you know of a dispute where you have a video is flagged or you have a claim that goes up on the video, and um, at times that you know that claim will just be it's almost like a you know kind of a hovering uh, kind of check on the on the video, but it, it's aggravating to anyone, whether it's someone who bought the track for a personal use video or they bought it for, you know, you know Nabisco for a commercial, they immediately get in touch with the library and they're not happy, and then we have to contact the Music ID service to show them that it's a legitimate license, and then they remove, you know, the check or they try to resolve it between the two, um, you know, or three companies that are that are claiming that they own the track. Yeah. So it's... There's a lot of frustration there, and you know, the reason we're working with a company that we've actually worked with before is that we know them. They're right in New York City. We're in New York. When there is a dispute, if there is a dispute, um, they try to handle it back, you know, on the back end. So there's nothing that goes on on the front end, and there's nothing that that affects the video. But if there is something that needs to be cleared, it's a phone call or an email, and it's removed immediately. And then any of the the hassle or the negotiation that has to go on can go on behind the scenes and not affect the video because that's, you know, I think, like I said, anyone that's been involved in this knows that there's, you know, Google, uh, YouTube is reactive with it. They don't have a set. They kind of say, all right, we're going to bounce it out to, you know, the two people with the dispute. We'll let you handle it. You know, it's not really not our, you know, not, not our, our business as of right now. So it's, it's a little bit frustrating there, but that's kind of where we're at in terms of, you know, the collecting of, uh, of royalties from from web, it's it's, it's YouTube only, and it's um, you know, and, and that's kind of where we're. It's getting better. It's gotten a lot better in terms of the last two two or three years. But um, you know, it, there there is still a ways to go because you know, like anything else, people don't realize that they might have signed up for one music ID service and then they sign up for another, and then uh, you know, yeah, it's just, yeah. It seems it's it's a very confusing issue. I mean, I, I have the, this. Issue with with a few of uh, of my tracks recently that that I signed to an exclusive publisher, but part of the agreement that I signed that was that I would give her rights to promote my music online on places like YouTube on a non-exclusive basis. But okay. for some reason, when I upload these same tracks to YouTube, there's a copyright claim by this publisher to these tracks. So it seems like when you're doing non-exclusive deals online. Who has the rights to the the digital fingerprint of that track, especially if it's non-exclusive? Yeah, it almost makes it like it almost makes it like oh, it's non-exclusive, but since we fingerprinted it, it's exclusive to us. So it's a yeah, I know it's a gray area. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. I mean, that's that, that was Chris speaking, but that, Chris, you hit the you know that that's the point there is that that that's kind of how it works. I mean, I know what they're in talks. To do now, um, some of the some of the um, some of the other publishing companies are talking about giving a like a kind of a digital number to a track. You know, instead of just okay, this is the track, and then this and this fingerprint will follow it around. It's that you know, if, if you license a track from a particular library, well, then only you know that has its unique fingerprint on it. That if that track gets played again, and it's the same track but through a different library, there won't be a claim. And and that, I think that's. Really, the only way it'll work is that when you license a track to a particular library, there's that you know that fingerprint is, is is kind of given with the license, so it's you know it's it's kind of segregated from other licenses that would be out there on that same track. Yeah. But um, Aaron, the the issue you had is something we hear 
all the time. In I'm that, sure. you know, it's it's you even have users uh, trying to fingerprint the track after they get a license, and then you get a composer in Italy telling you like, "Hey, my music's in royalty-free libraries," and now you know because this user you know fingerprinted the track, uh, now I'm getting you know these these uh, strikes or um, checks on my on my or claims rather on on my vi- on my videos, and it's and it's a problem, and, and no one's happy, you know, and, it, and it's it's because there's no precedent yet yeah that that this you know it's a continual you know struggle and you know i mean again we certainly accept music that has from from composers that have their music their entire libraries and in music ids like one of our largest uh or one of our biggest composers is with adrev and we never ever have an issue with his tracks and his tracks get licensed quite a bit and we never have you know the brands never complain so for whatever reason it, it was just done correctly um whereas i think with with other times the same type thing. Artists will enter into kind of promotional um, scenarios with companies like 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 you had done, Aaron, where where they might promote it, and you know they they might have very good intentions and they don't they don't want to create an, an issue, but it's because of the way the framework is set up that you know they, yeah they fingerprint that track and then you try to upload it or another library tries to upload it and and they get that you know no it's rejected for for copyright yeah and it's uh, you have to go back to them and then you know there's that and. What's unfortunate about this whole thing from a monetary point is that, you know, you're dealing with the lowest level of, of revenue for these things. Like we charge, you know, six five ninety five for a personal license. So there are times where you're making six, seven, you know, phone calls and emails for a track that and, and you know, again, you want to keep your client happy no matter how much money they're spending, but in terms of, you know, a nickel and cents type or uh, you know, type of thing, it's a dollars and cents type thing, it's you look at it and say I don't know if this is the best use of our time. You know, we have to spend yeah, all this sure. time trying to clear a video for for six bucks, and it's well, you know that's nah, not even that's that's three bucks to the artist, so that's you know three bucks. Yeah. It's it's a uh, it's a tough thing. So you know that's yeah. why we're 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 working with a company that we know instead of we're certainly not. I think that like anything else, you try to you try to kind of become an expert at at what you know and what you're good at, and then allow you know partners to, to kind of handle the other things that you're not yeah. and we you know with a company like muser we, we trust them we've worked with them for a while and because we have a relationship with them when those problems come up it's it's not you know uh-oh you know we i hope i hope i get that guy i know at ad rep today because you know he clears those videos quickly it, it's it's uh you know it, it's definitely one of the more frustrating aspects of, of licensing music <laughs> yeah well that that's just it, it, it and, and for me like my youtube numbers are so small at this point that I don't really care. I mean, it's not worth it to me at this point to really make a big deal out out of it, but at some point it might be. So I think it's an issue that people uh, need to be aware of. But that sort of leads me to my next uh, question, which is, are you seeing, you know, in terms of royalties, like, and and what's the name of the company that collects the YouTube royalties that you work with? Uh, They're called Musirk, M-U-S-E-R-K. M U F E R K M U. Excuse me. I'm sorry. M U S as in Sam. Okay. M U S E R K. Gotcha. That makes more sense. So, are you seeing any sort of substantial um, numbers in ter- in terms of royalties from YouTube? This is, you know, to, to be uh, you know perfectly honest with you, this is something that we're literally just starting. We signed a contract okay. with them in terms of the music ID. Um, in August, so we're you know we're micro licensing contract, yeah. 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 for that type of stuff. So it's this is you know we we've been given kind of figures as to what we think we'll see and and what we think our artists will see. But um, the 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 one thing I will tell you that I think 
could be of interest to both yourself and and any artist that that licenses a lot of music you know that on YouTube but is not part of a music ID is when um when I had spoken to Paul who who I you know who I know over at Music he was saying how a lot of these artists when they put their music into a music ID service you know whether it's them or AdRev or whoever else is that it, it can retroactively. I think it, I know it goes back a year. It might be sixteen months, but they can. They you know they'll put music in, and then all of a sudden it'll generate a large amount. I mean, large you know, in in uh, in relation to you know to other uh, areas of music, but or, or media. But the idea is that they you know now they're collecting for the past year and a half, um, as opposed yeah. to just the last quarter. So they there is a spike usually for most artists in the first quarter. Um, of collecting, and then it starts to level out after that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think most artists kind of feel the same way you do, Aaron. I mean, I think it's if if you're doing moderate licensing on YouTube, then then you see some. Um, I think we know. I mean, this is again, I'll give you numbers. This is uh, you know just from speaking to some of our artists that are with AdRev that do a lot of licensing. Mm-hmm. I know most of them tell me they're somewhere between the two to four hundred dollar range per quarter. Yeah. Um, and and these are guys and girls that do. You know, they work with numerous libraries. They, they, they have their stuff out there, and they have probably, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 tracks in different libraries. So it's all bulk. It's You know what I mean? Like their stuff just gets used, and it's, a lot of it's corporate and stuff that goes online for corporate presentations and whatnot. So it's, it, it's, it's made through bulk. Obviously, it's sense, right? So it just, it's how quickly that adds up and how often those videos get shown. And, yeah. um, but that, that is the number that we tend to hear, you know, in that range of two to $400 from from composers that, that, that do quite a bit of placements in, yeah, on YouTube. Yeah. Well, one of the, um, uh, not to bring up uh, one of your competitors, although I don't know if they're uh, a direct competitor of you guys, but one of the companies I've talked uh, pretty highly about over the, the last few years, um, based on my own personal experience, is Rumblefish. And, and they do a lot of work with, with YouTube videos where they sell directly to uh, consumers and, and end users. And through those guys... I do. Yeah, that's about what I get: two, three, four hundred dollars usually every every quarter. You know, which which adds up. But I don't. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I don't know exactly how that money is generated. I think it's through YouTube's um, ad revenue system that they're collecting from YouTube and then distributing to their artists. Do you? Are, are you guys doing any, any anything similar in terms of of just selling music directly to uh, users? We, it's funny, as we actually work with Rumblefish. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think we I should be, um, not that we do a ton of stuff with them, but they do work with, with one of our smaller kind of group of tracks okay. uh, on that personal license um, area. And, um, and they've been, I mean, we don't do real, you know, big numbers with them at all. But yeah. they, I mean, in terms of dealing with them, they were, it was, a, it was a pleasure. They were really nice people, and they were, you know, they were forthright in terms of information. There was no false promises so yeah. yeah i mean i think i definitely speak highly of them as a company um i know that they have their own music id service and i know they also from what i remember um you know i, I could be a little bit hazy on this but i'm pretty sure this is accurate that i think they collect for getty i think they actually do getty's music id um and if anyone who knows getty music knows that that's a lot of you know there's a lot of placements uh probably the most um through getty music so they, you know, they also work with CD Baby, right? CD Baby is based all the licensing for CD Baby. So when you say on CD Baby, when you say yes, I'd like my music license, that's going through Rumblefish and one of their, you know, their 
both their music ID and I believe through their, you know, like, like what you're talking about right now, their, their direct sales. Um, and they do, they, they, I know they work with a lot of the, the direct YouTube channels, like for gamers, they might have a channel where they'll make a deal with and they'll say, okay, you can license this many tracks and there's kind of a blanket license and then they'll collect on the back end. And, you know, and, and as far as to answer your question, we have not, YouTube, we've been slow to the, to, YouTube in general, other than just offering, you know, personal licenses and, and uh, you know, kind of non-professional uh, licenses for, for filmmakers and student uh, films. Because, again, every time we've looked at it, it's just the, the, the revenue has been so small compared to advertising that it was like, I don't really know if this is worth it. But, yeah. you know, some of the partners that we work with do sell to direct YouTube, uh, which I, this might be what you're, what you're saying. They'll sell directly to, you, you know, certain YouTube channels. Yeah. And then and then work deals out that way, and and I think that's you know we don't do it directly. Like I said, we do do it through some of our clients, and our you know tracks are in in some of the catalogs that that are available to them. Gotcha. But um, it's it's you know it is becoming because again that that's revenue, and that's that's a lot of advertising there. And when you work it in in, in that area where it, it usually makes sense to kind of do a smaller like kind of a micro catalog that that you offer to them. Because then the breakdown is easier when you pay the artist because that's something that I know some of, you know, like, again, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, uh, it's better to be positive than negative, but I know there are some libraries that, you know, kind of chalk that up to promotion and they collect that flat rate. And, you know, it's, it, it is nearly impossible to tell what tracks were used and, and they, you know, none of, that, none of that money ever gets back to the artist. But in terms of, you know, when you do want to make sure the artist gets that money, even when you do a blanket deal, if there's less tracks, if you're not just saying, yeah, here's our entire library that we're going to offer for a flat rate, you can say, all right, here's these, you know, seven composers whose tracks we're going to offer. Then at least when you get that, that blanket rate, you can break that down much easier and, and, and kind of get the money to the, to the composers just, you know, off of the, the artists that are involved as opposed yeah. to, you know, you know, chalking it up. But, but yeah, I think one of the areas that we're working in more is selling directly to brands. As far as, you know, you know, it's not so much a YouTube thing, but more, you know, going to some fans directly and saying, you know, you have a lot of content on your site, whether it's internal, you know, in addition to advertising, but also like on internal videos and whatnot. And that's something that, you know, we're, we're kind of building a, a white label version of our site where brands can then keep, you know, our site internal. They can take music, you know, at the end of the month, there's a usage and they're billed for that and, and we know what gets taken. So that's, right, that's, that's the again, latest, uh, that's the latest business model that we're doing is white labeling our own site to uh, you know big ad agencies such that all of our FlickTracks logos are stripped out and it just becomes their own internal um, you know music system. So it's yeah. it's really not visible to the public, but it's just available as a link on their site. So uh, we're looking to uh, you know grab some some bigger clients that way. And that's where bigger, you know, bigger usages and bigger revenue is going to come in. Gotcha. So, so allowing ad agencies to essentially access part of your catalog um, uh, uh, under like a, a blanket license is that is that what you're saying? Well, um, well not necessarily bra- blanket. I mean, Pat, go ahead. You, you want to go? Well, on it's only just because again, this is kind of our what we deal with. Uh, on, on a daily basis, but the um, the ad companies wouldn't really have a blanket license. Um, as a matter of fact, you know we're one of the few non-exclusive libraries on the Omnicom Music Link site, which is uh, you know a fantastic site for all the Omnicom 
ad agencies, of which there are, you know, many, and, and most of the major ad agencies in North America and the world, actually, are, are part of uh, the Omnicom umbrella. So they, about a year ago, implemented this site where if you're not on it, then you can't license to these to these agencies. And they're, you know, uh, okay. BDO, that's RAP. These are the big agencies. So, you know, we, we were very fortunate to get on to this platform um, and... So, you know, for any advertising that but now they, they have a custom music department, too. It's, it's a big revolution, really, in the ad agency, ad industry, because, you know, you can imagine if, if half of the ad agencies in the world now have to use a proprietary platform, that's very difficult for those libraries and composers that were not included in that. Now it's, you know, they have to work with the, the outside agencies if, if, they, if they were working with the, uh, the Omnicom agencies. So that was a big thing for us, and, and, and we work even with other libraries kind of bringing through some of their best material to get on to. Right, who are not platform. in this platform and reaching out to, you know, any composer or library that's, you know, can't, can't really do business with an Omnicom-owned company after 2015. So we're trying to we're looking to represent them, and just take a you know a small percentage, and you know let them you know make it worth their while to you know have us sublicense their you know their catalog and act as uh, you know a representative for them. So that's working out that's working out pretty good. Good, good. No, that that sounds really really uh, positive. Let's um let's shift gears because I know you guys wanted to mention uh, this new project you're working on. Uh, called Real Cause. What is uh, what is that all about? Uh, Pat, you want to uh, you want to take oh, this? Chris, one? this is your. Uh, there's one thing that you should talk about, man. This is you're the, well, you're real, the, you're the man. Real this, Cause. The <laughs> real Cause. R E E L C A U S E. Real Cause. They're a they're a company that that uh, like raises money for film projects. So if you can go to realcause.com and see what they're all about. Um, we're kind of working with them on a project called, it's a song competition. It's called Get Your Song On. It basically um, calls out to, you know, um, songwriters, you know, bands, artists to submit songs um, in a video format to them and the you know the winners are the winners get voted on by social media and we're you know we're trying to you know get everybody involved social media wise on this so uh the winners can get the winners get cash prizes but they also get like some pretty some pretty cool industry exposure i think it was talent army out of manhattan is one of the sponsors um flick tracks what we do is you know they they're get they're directed to um you know, um, submit their waveforms to us, and then we kind of channel them through that Omnicom system. So we do as much as we possibly can to the winners, that that is, and just the submitters to uh, to you know profile their their tracks, you know, in uh, in the you know in the world of advertising. So it's sort of like a little different than a uh, how companies get music submitted. We're trying to you know, whittle it down to winners. And, uh, you know, then we take this information and, um, you know, we tell the advertiser, look, this is what's trending. This, you know, you might want to know this for your next ad campaign. Like, you might want to know that, you know, 40,000 people, you know, voted that this artist is, you know, the, the winner of this competition. So it's useful information for them. It's, it's 
sort of like we're doing their market research. And, uh, you know, it's just a new thing that we uh, thought of with uh, the real cause people, and we're, we're, we're working on it. So, okay. you know, if anybody, you know, wants to submit, it's, uh, it's, the contest is called Get Your Song On Through Real Cause and Free Tracks is a, link a on sponsor. Our site too. Not to not to jump on your, uh, but there is just so you don't have to go through the, the trouble of going through the. There is a link on our site on the main page that has a link. There's a link the on our. There's a link on uh, on our home page to it. You know, with all the you know the contest uh, rules and regulations, how do you submit and whatnot? But uh, and then of course on the on the uh, home page of the Real Cause site, there's the uh, you know instructions how to submit and whatnot. So. Uh, also, I just wanted to say that uh, part of the proceeds do go to the American Cancer Society and Women's Cancer Research. So, um, good causes are you know being dealt with just by just by uh, submitting. Okay. And what is the uh, deadline? Is there a deadline that people can su- submit in- until? Yes, uh, I believe it's September 27th is the cutoff. Okay. But we're going to be doing another one after that, probably. Uh, probably maybe later in the fall, Pat. What do you think? I, I, yeah, we don't, I think we don't know when we're going to do the next one, but this one has been running from July 27th, and it runs through September 27th. So we're going to be doing another one. They're called Get Your Song On, and we're pretty excited to work with Real Cause. They're a fantastic, uh, fantastic company. Very cool. So if people are interested, they can go to your website. Let's give them the uh, address. It's Flick. Tracks.com, F-L-I-K-T-R-A-X.com. So if that is correct, excellent. So if you guys are interested, check out uh, FlickTracks.com. You can also people can submit music directly to you guys uh, on your website as well, right? That's correct. They can, yes. Uh, but the contest uh, to submit to submit music to the Get Your Song On contest that goes to real cause because of the fact that. You have to upload a video as well, so it's in okay. video format. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, go- any kind of video, it could be a cell phone video. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be. One of the things we're dealing with the next process is to you know, bring a third partner that would uh, that would help convert, you know, images and, and music to video because that's one of the issues we had had. But it, it's yeah, it's any kind of any kind of video in the process, whether it's. You know, yeah, it doesn't have to be a high-budget video. It just has to be in video format. Okay, very cool. So people, uh, I assume all the details are on your website. If people are interested, check out FootTracks.com. Yes, Chris Davison yep. and Pat Finnegan, thanks so much uh, to both of you for uh, doing the podcast with me today. Thank you, sir. Uh, always, a, always a pleasure to speak to you. Um, Pat, you want to sign off? I'd be happy to. Yeah, uh, know, Aaron, it's always always a pleasure, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm sure uh, all your followers are get a great deal of insight from from all that you do. And if, if by chance anyone ever has any questions, they can get in touch with you, and, and you can always uh, you know forward it to us. We'd be happy to help out in any way we can. It's just general questions about licensing. Absolutely, absolutely, and um, yeah, like I said, I appreciate you guys doing this, and I'm glad. Uh, things are going uh, well. Sounds like sounds like you guys have sort of found your niche within the licensing world, and that's very cool to uh, hear. You know, all these years later, seven years now. Well, uh, you know, we're we're still we're still chipping away at it, and uh, happy happy to say that uh, we have formed some good partnerships, and uh, you know, we're pretty happy with the way things are moving. 
Um, we're looking forward to more more business, more partnerships, and certainly happy to work with you. Uh, Want to continue yeah. that um, for as long as for as long as it takes. Absolutely, sounds good, guys. Um, I'm going to let you go, but uh, everybody, check out check out FlickTracks.com. They do really good work, and uh, like you mentioned, Chris, you've licensed at least a handful of artists that I've worked with over the last few years. So. Um, uh, I've seen it, you know, firsthand what you guys are capable of, and I appreciate all you've all you've done for the artists that I've been working with. So uh, keep it up, guys. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, Aaron. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks, ha- have a have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thank okay, you. Aaron. Thanks a lot.